Boom, button is hit. Rawr, button is hit. That sounded like a pirate. <laughs> the button be hit. I assume there's going to be pirates at some point, but there hasn't yet. Hello, welcome back to Dragon Readers, a podcast about Christopher Paolini's inheritance cycle. I'm Nora, joined by M. Hello! Welcome back. Yeah. Or should we be doing our little elven greetings? No, no. <laughs> I'm not going to remember any of that. <laughs> I rolled my eyes at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back. We are back. We, so we have back. a weird we have a weird section this time. Yeah. Um well first off we should tell everyone we had, we read one more chapter. You you bumped it up a chapter. I did bump us up one more chapter because I forgot that that scene was in its own chapter. So we read to what's what's the name of the chapter? I don't actually remember. We we read up through in a starry glade. Yeah. Um and it's really weird to talk about this cuz on some level nothing happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> right uh-huh. so aragon continues his tra- i'm just going to summarize real quick. aragon continues his, his training in the elven kingdom um whose name escapes me elismera um he is being trained by uh a, the, an elf rider who used to be i guess still is a dragon rider but he and his dragon are both have both suffered grievous injury and are, were maimed in the last battles of whatever and no longer can participate in combat um and both Aragon and Sephira undergo a bunch of rigorous training of their minds and bodies. Uh, they have to like share a link. Uh, the, a lot of it's basically like Yoda shit, but way, way more arty. Uh, and in doing so, Aragon learns a lot of culture and history and lore. We'll cover the stuff that's relevant. Um, he's also nursing a real like torch for Arya, who he definitely <laughs> is like, we should hook up. And every time he even broaches the subject, she shuts him down really cold. Um, to the point where it begins to strain their friendship. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Safira also feels a lot of uh, this same thing for Glader. Glader? Mm-hmm. Um, the the other dragon, Glader. Um, it, it, because, you know, Safira thought she was the last of the dragon kind, and now there's another dragon, and he's cool and big and powerful, and uh, was like, we can repopulate the species, and he is definitely not interested. Um <laughs> And that goes really badly for her. Um, the night of the big festival, uh, Aragon like does like makes makes a poem. Uh, they, everyone presents art in this big like blood festival. What blood moon? I don't even remember what it's called the exactly. Blood oath. Festival. Blood oath. I knew there was blood and another noun, and I didn't <laughs> remember what it was. Um, and uh, everyone presents like a creative work, and Aragon does a poem. And at the end of the festival, these two elves who have like this dr- this living dragon tattoo that lives across both of their bodies do this crazy dance, and the dragon awakes out of their bodies and like looms over Aragon and heals his injured back, uh, which has been giving him further and further trouble, and like fast forwards him into like his like final rider self, where he's like half elven in like appearance we'll talk a lot about this because there's a lot to say about all this anyway uh his first thing he does now that he has basically like magical superpowers is try his final shot with Arya, and she's like no also she i'm leaving tomorrow i mean he already knew she's leaving but she basically shuts him down it's like you have to stop this and he has a big cry about it and that's where we leave aragon in this reading that's so um, true 
<laughs> Meanwhile, Roran convinces everyone they have to abandon the village and go to the Varden if they have any chance of surviving. Um, and con- he gives a big rousing speech and convinces everyone to walk into d- destitution with him. Um, because it's better than being killed. Most everyone. Some people stay behind. Mm-hmm. They're probably dead. Doesn't matter. Um, and he's because he's like, we gotta go to the Varden, then we can like have a support system and maybe I can c- convince them to help me get, uh, Katrina back. That's, that is unresolved. They make their way, um, through the desert, the very, like, very Noah shit happen. Not Noah, um, Moses, getting my biblical figures mixed up. Big right. Moses stuff think, with Roran on this. later. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roran literally grows a beard and they wander the desert forever and they come out and they're like destitute and they go to this place and they use the last of their money and some, uh, schemes to get three cargo ships to help take them to where the Varden are, but that hasn't resolved yet. They're just on the way. Though, Roran is like a wanted man, not only because of generally being associated with Aragon, but he does kill two city guards to get them into the city and on the boats. Yep. So... Also, they, um, they wandered through the, the mountain range, not literally the desert. Yeah, yeah, not literally the desert. But th- that is the that is the thing that is being given to us mm-hmm. in this moment. Uh, anyway, Nasuada also gets a chapter where she's in the, the Serta. Serta's the place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Serta... Serta's ruled over by what I can only describe as, like, the Sultan from Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically bit. what, the, but but like if he was if he was Bell's dad from Beauty and the Beast instead, he's like he, he's 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 in a lab. He's like he's like described as like vaguely ornate and whatever in like this very exoticized way. But he's like a man of like tinkering science. Like science isn't real yet, but he loves doing science and he's chemistry. Created a vacuum in a tube, and it's like what is it? Yes, yeah. Um, I think I mean it, he's only five years older than Nasuata, so he's supposed to like be in his thirties. That is extremely not the vibe this man is putting out. I'll be honest with you. It's not. <laughs> um, and he's just so buffoonish. It's, it's hard to see him as like young. I don't know. Cause mm-hmm. the whole thing is she wants, she's like, well, I'm here and you offered to support me. So let's go rouse an army. Like give us your, open your, open your treasury and we'll fund everything and we'll go fucking build an army. And he's like, it doesn't work like that. I have a city to run. I have a people to take care of. I'm helping you as best I can, but I can't give you more money. You got to figure this shit out and figure it yourself and you got to integrate your own populace, uh, you know, be a leader and, uh, unsure what to do. She summons, she has like a, she has a very bad day and burns her dress with some acid that this guy was working on. Um, but it gives her an idea. She's like trying to mend the dress to get the magicians that they've taken with them um, to help make like spin silk, like lace, basically make mm-hmm. lace out of magic um, because it's a labor intensive process that only the rich can afford. And if they can mass produce silk u- or lace using magic, they can sell it and use that to fund their armies. And is like, this is a thing my father would never think of because he is a man and would discount such <laughs> things as lace, but I am a woman and think lace is important. Um, and I roll my eyes because uh, the gender politics of this are ridiculous, mm-hmm. but it's also a little charming. And I, I would like a little more, Naswada. Um, but those are the big things that have happened in this story. Well, there's there's the other Naswada thing that happened. What's the other Naswada? Oh, right, right. Mistake. The main <laughs> the main thing, uh, the main event that happens, other than all the roaring stuff, which is a lot happening, um, is that Aragon learns that when he blessed that child uh, in the first book, that was in the first book, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, he accidentally um, like said the speech wrong, and the basically he instead of uh, um. Instead of saying to the child, like, may, may you be shielded from misfortune, it was like, may you be a shield from misfortune, and thus, like, condemned this child to always be aware of when people are imperiled around her, um, and feel like an irrepressible urge to do something about it, to the point where it triggers, like, a magical growth spurt in her, so she can become not a baby, so she can start talking to people, and the first thing she does is summon Nasuada to tell her about this, because she has preternatural knowledge. I also read Dune. I do think it's cool, but come on, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> I hadn't gotten uh, that out of Dune yet, but... Oh, the, the, the middle of the first book, his little sister, <laughs> Paul's little sister, uh, right, because yeah, his yeah. mom takes the spice, becomes preternaturally aware and like a weird soothsayer child. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. If it works. It's fine. But that, that, that didn't happen. Uh, Aragon knows about this and is like, I must some, someday find that child and take my blessing back or undo the magic because it's going to curse her. Um, but it seems like she's really useful other than she seems very anguished about it. Um, everyone's horrified. Nasada hates magic, which I think is like ridiculous given the framework of the world of Aragon. I'll be honest with you. I think, I think being anti-magic is maybe the stupidest character trait you could have in a world where everything is like run by magic. Well, not everything. Most people don't know anything about magic. So, one one of there's a lot of backstory delivered to us in the world, but one of the things that we that is talked about in this section of reading is that dragons are just inherently magical beings. They mm -hmm. just contain within them like a wellspring of magic that touches the magic that the entire world has. All of the world has magic in it. Um, but people thinking beings did not really have magic until the treaty between the dragons and the elves was signed by the dragons and the elves deciding to bind their fates together. So they made this contract where like forevermore, they're just like one being destiny wise. Um, and thus the elves gained magic. And then later they wrote the humans in another verse of the like song that they sang to like make the spell. Uh, like, Oh, and humans too. And that's why humans can have magic and can be writers, but dwarves cannot um, is because they're all bound by this thing. And they talk about how part of uh, what's the bad guy's name, the evil King Galbatorix Galbatorix. Galbatorix yeah. yeah. As Galbatorix has killed the dragons, he is, genuinely harmed the capacity of both races to like achieve things like the elves are in full-on Tolkien weird diminished and go into the West remain Galadriel mode. Um, and humans, it is literally said that human governance and civilization is decaying because their magic has been lost because the dragons have basically been extinct. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I will say that magic is not only from the, the dragon rider contract okay because there are humans who are just naturally born with yeah. psychic powers but it seems like this definitely kick-started the amount of magic mm -hmm. that the like yeah. races shared but also um there was <laughs> there were the 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 other the ancient aliens as you said there were ancient <laughs> yes yeah there was were ancient aliens that used to exist uh that that wrote they're like where the idea of magic like how people can use spells comes from right they bound the magic of the world of Alagasia to the language that they spoke right which right, right created right. the ancient language yes and then they all did they all disappeared 
Yeah, or yeah. Uh, or or um. Yeah, there's like a, they mentioned that like oh, all their their you know all of their castles lie in ruin. It's real like real like um book of the new sun vibes to all of that like briefly in like two paragraphs and then it's never mentioned again. Um, I don't think I don't think Aragon's going for that, but I did think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just has full on like uh, Assassin's Creed ancient alien vibes when they talk about like oh there was a race that used to exist that was like fully in tune to the magic and they constructed the language which turns word into action through the interaction of like the language spoken versus the magic that was already permeating the world. Um, one of the things Aragon learns is that when you get really good at this, you can just think the words because language is a mental construct as much as a vocal construct. You don't just need to say things. You can just think them, but it's really dangerous because if you don't think with like pure thought, you'll, you'll the spell blow up and who knows what could happen. Uh, I will say because that's what they did. That's what that's what they that's how they yes. disappeared, right? It's like that's how they made themselves extinct by doing this, some this spell that they, they did not. This, the sp- language is that something yeah. went terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, they basically of, described it as an extinction event happening. Yeah. Um, one of the two extinction events in these books, but we'll get to that later. Um, the one of the most popular sort of like fan theories is that Angela is an ancient alien. Oh, I could see that, I guess. I don't really need that to be so neat. I think it's a little tidy, but mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I don't think it does anything one way or another, right? For me, She's in terms of what way. I take. Yeah, what I take out of the story. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of Aragon learning. There's a bit where, like, he hasn't seen Arya for a while because he was made an ass of himself and she was avoiding him. Um, How did and he he's make just an been, ass of himself? Once again, he was trying to be like, let's hook up. And she's like, fuck no. You're a child. <laughs> he went to uh, the AI generator and was like, "Oh make right, me he did. Yes, he did make he did boobs. make a horny fan art OC of her." <laughs> There's a bit because I I know a lot of you aren't reading this. Where so like the uh, the uh, Oramus Oramus the the mm-hmm. teacher who's teaching him all this shit like teaches him how to make a spell that like turns your what you envision in your mind into like a painting, but it's like more than a painting. It's not like a Harry Potter moving painting, but it's like uh, you, it just creates an image that is like only as sharp as your mind can conceive it. But you can, if you can conceive it, you can make it into the painting. Um, and as like, and this it happens on a day where Oric and Arya are coming to watch and like just survey the, how the classes are going. And he makes this beautiful uh, art, like p- portrait of Arya where she's like enshrined in the night and looks glorious and beautiful. And she sees it and breaks it and runs away uh, because it's fucking cringe. It's so cringe, Aragon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so stupid. Um, Anyway, there's a whole bit where, like, he, Ormus is like, you really shouldn't have done that. You really, like, you fucked up what could be a good friendship because you can't keep your head straight. Uh, I understand you're, like, 16, but get over yourself. Um, and Aragon redoubles his efforts on his studies. And so there's a bit where he meets her again. And she's writing a poem for the, the Blood Oaths Festival. And she goes, she's like, and she's, and he looks over a couple verses of the poem and he's like, it's very good. And she's like, you don't know anything about poetry. And he's like, you would not, you would not know what I know now. Um, because he's just like fully adopted. Here's one of the things about this set of rating for me is, um, I think the book overall has really put forward this idea that it's going to be like a pan national alliance that is the only thing that can beat Galvatorix. It's really important that the dwarves and the elves and the humans are, and maybe even the Urgles. There's a little bit talking later about like, oh, Urgles have culture too. You just don't know it yet, which I'm like, and you mentioned this was going to happen. So, um, Oramus definitely lays down some Urgles are going to be more important and probably on your side by the end of this on some level. <laughs> um, 
which we'll, I guess we'll see. Uh, that doesn't really bear fruit in this rating. Uh, anyway, um, for all of that to be stated, like in, in the, in the belief system of Christopher Paolini writing this book, he sure does sit at one race's feet and learn all of their lore and all of their culture. And that what makes him good and smart and powerful. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's fucked up. I hate it. I kind of hate it. I mean, here's the thing. I think this section of the reading, incredible. I think it's like really good. I loved reading it. I was excited. I was sad we, we stopped. I wanted to read more. I could sit in this endless summer of sitting in these trees and learning all this shit forever. Yeah. Um, but the ideology behind it is that all races are equal, but some of them have the real culture that's important. Some of them do not. And the ones that do are the elves who are like the tall white European race. Yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> There's a point uh, w- when he gets fast forward into his full writer self where um, he he's described as like he, he gets he gets full elven ears and elven eyes. Um, and he still keeps some of his like whiteness as a human because like elves are really like slender or whatever. But they mention they make sure he makes sure to mention that uh, Aragon's skin is now alabaster white. And Aragon was described as like a very tan guy because he lived out in the woods all the time. Um, and part of his becoming his best self is making sure that his skin gets whitened like six shades. I'm like, man, you just fucking put your foot in it. Yeah. And it's really weird because part of the thing with the elves, it, like during the Blood Oath Festival, as elves from all over the world come in to do this festival, if they can come, if they can come, they come. Um, is it interests the fact that elves use magic to transform their bodies into a bunch of different shapes? There's elves that are like cat girls. There's elves that are like made out of fucking water and smoke and mermaid elves and all sorts of weird shit. Um, but they're definitely all white. You have to be sure of that. <laughs> yeah, except for the the one guy. Yeah. Uh, Nasawada and her father and Ajad are basically the only characters that have been like explicitly described as black in this book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, white ass book. Um, but yeah, all this stuff with the, the, like the cultural supremacy of elven stuff. I understand that the elves are saying that, but I think the book really buys into it. I don't think they're going to critique the fact that Oremus is training Aragon in the stuff that's going to make him good and powerful. I think that's just true. Um, I don't think Chris is about to like undercut that with the stuff that's going to happen because eventually there's going to have to be a big fucking war. Um, and it just feels weird. (laughs) It's weird because like we got a bunch of dwarf culture before this. Yes. But it didn't have. Maybe it's because the dwarves don't... So, the history of this region of the world goes back about, what, 3,000 years, max? Sure. And, like, that's maybe two generations ago for elves. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's this weird thing where, like, yeah, everybody knows because everybody was there. That yeah. all this history happened this way or whatever, whereas the dwarf stuff is so much more shrouded. Yes, dwarves are secretive. That's like inherent in the dwarven conception. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did like get to hang- like Oric basically comes up and is like, "Hey, I've not been in the book for two hundred pages. It sucks here. <laughs> like everyone's just kind of a goofball, <laughs> and I'm very serious." <laughs> Oric shows up and he's like drunk, and he's like, "Yes, Aragon." I'm fucking bored out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Please hang out with me. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, I just I just wish there was more 
I don't really care about humans. Like man as a conception in fantasy novels is boring. So like I get why they're they're not really interested. Also, the the, the bad guy they don't have to fight is like a human. Uh-huh. So I understand why they're not putting a lot of t- effort into like, oh, what does Aragon learn from human culture? Other than it does in his poem, they do talk about the things that only he can bring to the talking about like when he writes a poem, it's like only you could have done this. None of the elves would conceive of the things you conceive of because you grew up on a farm or whatever. I don't know. It's it's kind of dumb. Um but um, it seems like the big problem is the fucking gulf between the dwarves and the elves, and no effort is made to like put forward dwarven interests in this book so far, yeah. in this section of the reading at all. Um, and so I just think on some level it's a little full of shit. <laughs> it's a little full of shit. Next book, we are going to get a huge dwarf subplot. So, okay, that's good. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but that said, I, I think the Oramus stuff is really good. Um, he can barely use magic at this point. Uh, enough to kick Aragon's ass when he's training him. But like, compared to people who know what they're doing, uh, he, he's very, he's very weak. Um, and he mostly just sits around and like teaches him things about like, Aragon does like this meditation training where he sits in a field and opens his mind's eye to all of the beings around him and the souls or whatever. Um, which is full on like feel the force Luke shit. Um, <laughs> they spend so much time on Aragon going, I want meat. Oh, I eat meat and I, they don't eat meat here and it's fucked me up. Why don't they, why can't I get a cheeseburger? Um, and <laughs> everyone goes, Oh, when you, when your training is further along, you will understand why the elves do not eat meat. And I was like, Yeah, cause they think animals have souls and Aragon is not conceived of this fact yet, but it takes him so long to get there. <laughs> There's a bit where he's like, Oh, we, I need to, if I don't have meat right now, I'm going to explode. Um, and so Safira's like, Well, I'm going hunting. Let's go hunting together. And so they go off, go, cause she can't eat grass right she she needs meat and so the elves are very uh, like aware of that they treat dragons with a lot of respect um and so she goes hunting and he kept he like shoots some rabbits he cooks the rabbits and when he gets to the part where he's about to eat the rabbits even after he's cooked them and killed them he kills them with magic he like burst blood vessels in his in their heads because that's how he can do it now and he's sad he's like it's not as fun now that i can just kill them with my mind (laughs) um he goes Oh, these things were, li- these things were living beings. I've, I learned something through my experience of sitting, experiencing the lives of everything around me. I can't eat these now. It's, it, it turns my stomach. The idea that these were, that I killed something alive. And Severa's like, well, I'm going to eat them. Yum. Um, and then he, he will never eat meat again, I guess, but it was ridiculous that it took this long for him to internalize this lesson. Aragon's a very slow boy sometimes. That's true. Um, speaking of, we did meet another one of my favorite elves. Oh, you, the blacksmith? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's uh, she's a, a cool elf because she's a dwarven elf, basically. There's Not one... that she's actually dwarven, but she has the... Vo- All she cares about is making things with her hands. Uh, she's like, magic is stupid. I, I craft things. That's my job. She's made every sword that the elves use. She made Aragon's sword. Uh, she swore to never make swords again after all the stuff with Galvatorix went down. Um and um but she's like oh if you can claim that sword then it's good maybe some good will come of my work um but i'm never making a sword again fuck you uh and is just grumpy and cool and at, at the very end of these chapters orc is it's like oh she's asked to see you and he's like oh finally someone who knows what the fuck's going on <laughs> <laughs> there's there is one butch elf in all of yes. Mera. <laughs> yeah and she's described as like a cranky old lady, even compared to elves, like who live forever. She does not live forever. I mean, she, oh, all elves live forever. She looks, she's described as old, uh, and no other elf is described as actually old. Is yeah, she is like visibly aged in a way, even though yeah. it's not that much, it's still way more than any other elf that we've yeah. seen. Yeah. Um, 
which is pretty cool. Also, it is, it is uh, described to us that elves did not always live forever. It was only after the Pact of the Dragons that they right. gained basically eternal life. Unclear on why that works for all elves, but it doesn't work for all humans. Yeah, no. Many Maybe questions. Because they were patched in. I, I feel like humans should fix the patch. Yeah. That's what I would do. Um, what else we got? Uh, Safira tries to like convince her teacher, uh, Glader. We don't really get a lot of Glader's deal. He's like missing one forearm. Um, he's very old. He's gold, right? He's gold. Yeah. Um, and she's like, we could, we could be a mating pair. And he basically, then she attacks him when he says no and gets her ass beat. And it's very sad. And then Aragon has to go and basically like boop her nose. Oh, well, one, heal her grievous wounds, then boop her nose to make her feel better. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, there's a lot of both of them trying to scold the other one as they like run off half cocked <laughs> about the people they're in love with, um, and then go and do it themselves. And then they they come to an understanding. They're both very young. Um, yeah. It seems like a lot of um, of Safira's training is like doing sick aerial maneuvers. She's apparently the best at flying there's ever been uh, <laughs> because that's how books work. Um, and she gets really good at doing fire shit. And, uh, learn some dragon history that we're not really privy to. Cause it's like, oh, these things, the dragons kept secret. Um, seems like she's gone through a lot less than Aragon's gone. He literally like only speaks in like the magical tongue now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also has been just having the worst time with his new, uh, rival. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but he like he literally like learned history and geography and chem like he's reading every yeah. textbook that they have in the forest. And like Safira is like, I learned how to do like six cartwheels in a row. <laughs> and then Aragon's like, I had three seizures today and that was yes. before breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this might be blacking out every 15 minutes. So, yeah, the thing with him is he he he, he first does his combat training with Aramis and Aramis is like, there's nothing I can tell you. Go train with the rest of the elves that are, aren't horribly injured every morning. Just keep yourself sharp. And he runs across this guy. I do not remember this guy's name. Vanir. Uh, yeah, Vanir, who is um like an 80s bully, but for elves. <laughs> You know how in Star Trek 09, where, uh, like, uh, Spock's being picked on by all the other Vulcans who very logically point out that he's not as good as them because he's half human? That's mm -hmm. what this guy is, like, 100%. Um, just trying to get a rise out of Aragon because he thinks Aragon's a shitty boy who has too many emotions. Um, and he's right. And Aragon, like, fucking tries to kill him multiple times with magic, and every time he gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> Because we Vanier have not yet gotten, we have not yet gotten Aragon in his full glory now coming back and kicking this guy's ass, but I assume that's about to happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> Which I feel like is maybe the wrong lesson to take from all of this Aragon, <laughs> but whatever. Sometimes this book is very juvenile. And I think, I think this stuff is like maybe the weakest stuff in this entire set of reading is, uh, him fighting this schoolyard bully who clearly like his whole, their whole thing is like, when they, when finally it's described why he's mad at him, it's like, yeah, the elves ha have been diminished. They're like basically in hiding because they don't think they, they can win a war, but hiding's not going to win the war. So they, they just think they're at the last stand and hope their only hope was that uh, someone would touch the egg and become a dragon rider. And then this fucking kid comes along and he's got the dragon and, uh, it fucked up everyone. Like what they train their whole lives for nothing. It's not for them. It's for the special boy who sucks. They think it's stupid. <laughs> And he's a human. Yeah, and he's a human. Um, which, you know, I understand being mad about it if you're like 100 years old and like, I touched the egg every year and it didn't pick me. It picked this fucking guy. You kidding me? He can't even fight. He passes out every time he does something. 
Arya is also 100 years old. Yes. And his last ploy to get Arya to, to like, oh, right. give him a he, shot. Is he does like, say the most unhinged shit in the world, <laughs> which is, why don't you just magically share all of your memories and experiences with me? And then I would be basically 100 years old, because it's not like I'm going to age now that I'm in writer form. And she's like, that would be an abomination. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two things are told to us as abominations in this reading. It was uh, a person with all the memories of another person and then like yeah. two people in one body. Yes. Yeah, because he and Safira have to cut. If they think one of them is going to die, they have to cut off their psychic link because otherwise he could be trapped in Safira's body or the other way around. And that would. Yeah, it'd be bad. <laughs> it'd be bad news. Yeah. And also you would just feel dying happen. Yes. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, who, who um, among us hasn't sent a, a deranged text because we were so down bad for elf pussy. Not me. <laughs> Fucking hate these guys. <laughs> I think they're full of shit. Uh, not beating the Vulcan allegations when they literally like, we just, we just do art and logic, but every once in a while we have this weird Bacchanal. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Vulcans. I know. I read, st- <laughs> I, I love, I love Star Trek. I know all about Ponfar. You're just doing it nature wise. It's fine. I get it doing it nature wise um it's goofy i i i like like i said i like these chapters i think the l i think this elf stuff is really weird in that i think it really reveals palini's vision of like the the limits of his vision of what like progressive fantasy world building can be um which Mm. is we're gonna bring all the races together one of them is definitely better than the other ones um like I said, um, and I don't like elves broadly, but um, you know, I, I didn't mind hanging out with these guys. I think Oramus is pretty cool. I, I like monk characters who are like, the thing you really need is not to swing a sword, but to read some fucking books. I always love those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, he my favorite asks- of these. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he asks uh, Aragon, why do you fight the Empire? And oh, right. Like, God, I forgot about this. This is actually maybe my favorite thing in this reading. That's not like a goof, something uh-huh. kind of funny. Uh, he, yeah, he's like, why do you why do you fight the Empire? Because um, he's talking about like, uh, he, he's like, well, Galbatorix is evil. He's like, do you think Galbatorix thinks that he's evil? Do you think he doesn't have reasons for doing what he's doing? He's like, well... Yeah, but they're evil reasons. <laughs> and he's like, okay, <laughs> but what if you meet, what, what if you convince someone who lives in prosperity? Like, they're, they're in, they're not, they don't care about Galatorix. They're just like a merchant. They're a farmer in a different village in yours. And they, they prospered and they live fine. And you have to come and convince them to defeat the thing that has ensured their prosperity. How do you, what, what is the, what is the, what is your argument? Cause evil's not going to cut it. They don't see evil. They don't live in evil. Uh, they live in peace, and you're here to disrupt that peace for something that you think is bigger and better than their peace. And what is that thing? And so he literally has to fucking sit. Uh, Safira instantly knows the answer, which I think is funny. And she's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to let you figure it out. Uh, <laughs> um, but he, he basically has to learn that material conditions exist. He has to say that it's I'm doing this because Galbatorix, as a as an oppressive state power is doing harm in his imperialism in the, the the things that the genocides he has committed and the further genocides he would like to commit um that he has to be stopped before that state power is allowed to run roughshod and it, it's worth any cost including us doing things that are unseemly because there's a bit where ormus is like yeah the varden are going to do war crimes 
uh, because you have to do war crimes to defeat a fucking state. It, you can't, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. You can't just like peaceful protest your way to overthrowing an empire. Uh, you have to actually fight some guys and it's going to make some people mad and it's going to hurt some people. It's going to end some people's lives. And some of those people aren't probably aren't going to deserve it. And you have to be okay with that. You have to know the reason why you fight. And the, the reason being that because like violence is inherent in the systems of culture that we already have and it's worth doing other violence to counteract that is just like a thing I truly believe in my heart, you know, as, as a, as a communist, mm-hmm. um, as a Leninist specifically, you know, um, I think it's good that you, to fight, to fight the empire, you have to destroy the empire. You have to burn it to the ground and everyone involved. Um, and I think it's good to have a book just fucking say that in like a, in like the world of like, in a world where Star Wars exists, right? Where people mm-hmm. cosplay as the fucking stormtroopers and they do charity work as those guys. You fucking kidding me? Um, it's nice to have the book just sit down and say, no, these guys are evil. Um, but that evil comes from things that are real in the world. And it's worth fighting against those things. Even when you do things that you think are evil to oppose that. Um, brilliant. <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Why can't every piece of fiction have this in it? <laughs> Yeah, Aragon is learning so much. Yeah, it's very funny because it's like the the Vardner going to do war crimes. You cut to the Varden and she's barely keeping everything together, and then she's like, <laughs> "Lace, lace is the answer." Aha! Uh-huh. I found, I figured it out. Yeah, it's it's two things: it's lace and child assassin. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Goofy. Um, also, Angela's pissed. Oh, about the the the. The oath, the blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I, well, there's a whole thing where she's, uh, where Nasara goes to her is like, are you willing to look after this child? She's like, yeah, of course. Who else is going to do it? <laughs> I'm curious how it's going to go. It seems like it might be a fucking disaster. So I might as well sit around and watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is very funny. Um, we also yeah, got- I, wonder, I wonder which, I wonder which character that I really like this kid, this one's going to kill when there's like a conflict between the Varden and like Aragon at some point. Um, our first callback to book one, um, in terms of like mysterious lore things happened when, um, we found the Minoa tree, which used to be oh, a right. woman. Right, yeah, a woman turned into a tree. Uh, there's a whole bit where he tells her the thing about the the prophecy, and she's like, "Well, I don't know what a weapon could mean. There's no weapons here. It's just a tree that has not come to bear yet." Yeah. Um. That was back when he and Arya were oomphs. Yeah. They, they <laughs> That's broke true. Mutual. Yeah. Well, it's really funny because when he goes to see her in his full rider form, they, they basically repaired all their bridges and they're like, what? Like she barely recognized Like he's walking around and none of the elves know who he is. They think he's just an elf who's come for the blood oath festival. And she sees him and hesitates for a minute and then recognizes who he is. And like, they have this moment where there's like a real connection and like wandering in the night. And it's like an endless twilight and it's beautiful. The stars or whatever. And that's when he shoots a shot. Just tr- imagine like being like, Oh, maybe <laughs> this boy is who's struggled to understand my life finally has reached some sort of greater understanding. He's had a physical transformation that'll bring him closer to me, and we can repair our friendship and really understand each other. And he fucking shoots his shot again. <laughs> He's lucky she didn't beat his ass, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh. 
I like Arya a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do too. Uh, I, I mean, she is. They do say like, oh, you know, now she, she, once she's here, she's settled down and she's relaxing and she's, you know, wearing dresses or hairs down. Sometimes she's singing and dancing, or whatever. But she is the, she is the depressed elf. Like that's yeah. her like character trait is that she's a mope and cynical. And as long as she's not berating dwarves for having religion, I like it. <laughs> oh. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, which I guess leaves Roran stuff, which uh, I ended up mostly coming around on um, because uh, realizing that you have to rally people around a cause and then realizing that puts an impossible burden of responsibility on you where everyone who dies is like your fault and he just really struggles with that is like, it's like simple storytelling, but it's good storytelling. I, I don't hate any of that. I think I thought that all was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We got, he still uh, doesn't know that Aragon's a dragon rider, even though, so as funny. far as I know, it's like a spread. The, the, <laughs> the, the Vardener's spreading this information across the land. Yeah, he hasn't caught up yet. Yeah. He hasn't gotten past, like, the first seven chapters of Aragon, book one. Well, there's a bit where he sees his own wanted poster in the town, and he's like, ah, they're offering, like, 15,000 crowns or whatever bullshit currency they're using um and it's like oh aragon they're even offering a higher price what 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 could my what could my brother have possibly done to to have a higher price on his head cousin i don't remember what they are it's like it, they're cousins there's not even okay. a number it's just words and he's like hey what does yeah. that say and it's, and it's like it's way higher than yours <laughs> uh anybody who gets uh aragon captured will get an earldom yeah so um, it'll be really funny when he finds out because he's a fucking mythic hero out of legend. He's gonna see him again, and he's gonna be all elfy. Yeah, I hope he. I hope he hits him. That's like that. that to <laughs> me is like the like he's been fucking leading these people as they die and starve through the mountains and struggling. And Aragon has gone through some shit, but he is going through some shit in like a resort. Basically, <laughs> he's really <laughs> he, finding himself at the Zen retreat. You know, everybody like he literally has room service and they yes. come and change his sheets for him. Yes. He has to be told what a shower is. Oh, yeah, there's a bit where Ormus is like, you need to shave every day because your your teen beard disgusts me and you smell. Uh, so bathe every day. And he's like, oh, I thought that was for washing clothes. He's like, no, it's for washing you, idiot. <laughs> there's you know what a bath is? And he's like, no, not really. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. Like I said, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of weird, like, conf- I feel conflicted about what it all means, but I do think as a book, it's just like, this is the shit I like. I love a training montage. I love some world building that, like, sets some seeds for some things to pop off. Um, I love a teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, all that's all that's really good. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else that uh, bears pulling back up, but I think... Uh uh galbatorx is pl- is plotting and scheming yeah but you know yeah like i said there was a bit where when ormus is talking about why do we fight he does mention like the urkels are just people <laughs> they're not e- they're not inherently evil the um the razak those are inherently evil <laughs> <laughs> those are like designed to hunt humans in in some yeah. way yeah and they have like a weird like chrysalis life cycle where like they're like the human versions and they like go into a shell and they become the weird wing thing the, the wing things the Razak rider adult Razak they'd like name something else <laughs> leather blocker yeah 
Yeah, they're they're freaky. And one of them yeah. got Roran pretty good on his shoulder. He's still yes. working through that. Yeah. Um They're off being sailors. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. They're doing boat stuff. Boat stuff. But yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I have anything else. Uh like okay. I said, liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I this this ch- chunk of the book is like the heart and soul of this whole series to me. Like this is what I remember most is the training in Elismira. Mm, and uh, it would be I like three seasons in a, pr- a prestige TV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um I just like it a lot. I like the I like elves in general, but also I like these elves. I don't I don't like elves, but I did like this. Um, I, I'm I, I like elves so much that I like Vulcans, is the thing. I like Vulcans, but they're total assholes. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the appeal. <laughs> it's not, it's, there's there's no dwarven actually there is a dwarven equivalent in Star Trek, but they're just not around very much, so it doesn't really matter. Um, no, the 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 Tellarites. They're like these like pig guys. They're like they're very they're in very few episodes of Star Trek. Um Mostly because the makeup's very expensive. Uh, um, they, their whole thing is their culture is built around like insults and arguing as like a way to communicate. Mm, okay. Um, uh, yeah, the Klingons are too weird and fraught, and there's all sorts of other stuff loaded on them because like Klingon start is they're they're meant to be like a Soviet analog, but they're like Mongolian brown face guys, right? Because it's the fucking right. '60s, and then in the '90s, all the Worf stuff gets imbued with like black pan-Africanism because Worf is like a character who's like raised by humans. So when he re-engages with his Klingon culture, he's reading out of books, then he meets real Klingons and he's like, we have to like return to the old ways of Klingonness from the books I've read. And they're like, that's not Klingon life. <laughs> Klingon life is not found in books. Um, but it's also like Worf's like Michael Dorn's black and a lot of the Klingon actors they get are black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ends up becoming this weird fucking metaphor for like where, where, black culture as like a as like we need to return to africa stuff is it's really fraught star trek's really interesting in how they do Klingon shift over time and they've kind of abandoned that since then um because it's not the 90s anymore you can't fucking get away with pretending you don't know what you're doing i don't actually think they knew what they were doing in the 90s that much but you definitely (laughs) couldn't get away with saying that now if you did any of that stuff yeah um but um yeah i don't know um I do like a Klingon. I like a dwarf and I like a Klingon. I like Vulcans well enough, but like they're, they're jerks. I like, look, I like Ormus. I'm not like anti elf firmly. Like, oh, fuck these guys. But I do think this book exemplifies what I don't like about the idea of elves, where there's just one race that's like, maybe they have problems, but they are categorically considered better than all the other races. <laughs> but when this episode goes out and everybody reacts to it, you will be uh, doubling down on your anti elfness. Yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> the, the 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 sometimes you react to a, for a podcast in a way that is exaggerated for your normal self. But um, yeah. I would say I'm broadly anti-elf. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just true. Um, Anti-elf union group. <laughs> fuck off. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's when I get the dwarves and the 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 urgles and the humans together and just storm <laughs> this place. And yeah, absolutely, get rid of these elves. No more magic. Anti-magic league. Damn. No more dragons, then. Yeah, look. 
Why is the the only reason Galvatorx is a threat is because he's got a fucking dragon that's feeding him a bunch of magic, right? Well, there is a hey, there's a brief implication that Galvatorx is super powerful despite his dragon being dead for like some reason that's so fucked up that uh Oramus won't tell him. Uh I'm really excited to find out that he's like eating the hearts of humans or some shit. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, the, because there's that, the moment where he, like Aragon expects Ormus to just brush him off, and then he realizes he's actually just like thinking about how to respond to the question. And he's like, yes. no, not yet, but yeah. I will tell you. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what it is. I hope it's not a bunch of magical MacGuffins that uh, Aragon has to go find and destroy. Um, because if he be does that, I'm fucking throwing a fit. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a shame? That would be a shame. I think that does it for this episode of Dragon Readers. When we get back in two weeks, we will be finishing out Eldest. Yeah. And uh, I've got the next two books split into four parts each. Yes. So. You, you you tried to get Brissinger in at three, and I was like, <laughs> that's like 150 pages more than this book, which is already a lot of reading. <laughs> I was no. doing I was doing that based on looking at the table of contents and thinking about where where the story has breaks. And okay. then you reminded me that it was way longer. <laughs> yeah. This book's like 700 pages and Brissinger is is listed as uh 831. It's a, Inheritance is only like 860. It's not even that much bigger. So I was like if that one's 4, this one should be 4. Yeah, that's true. And they'll be done. We won't read anymore. I know we're doing the other ones. I know. <laughs> uh, don't you want to know about the further adventures of our favorite intrepid heroes? Um, are they also huge books? No. Uh, uh, well, one of them is just a, a trio of short stories. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to Google Murtag length real quick. 704 pages. Ah, easy. Okay. Uh, hey, you know who, you know who's barely mentioned in this book, Murtog. Where is he? He's dead. No, he's not. Get out of here. <laughs> he's dead and hasn't been mourned once. <laughs> he is definitely not dead. <laughs> if we got this whole book and at the very end it reveals, ah, oh, Murtog's in the dungeons of Bel- uh, Galbatorix, and uh, you know the twins put him there, and we gotta go fight the twins. I'm like, oh, stupid, 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 stupid. Gotta go save Murtag. Yeah. Imagine what Murtag would be doing if Aragon had him in Elismera. Probably getting drunk along with work. Yeah, probably. Well, when he was in, when he was in the the dwarven thing, with the, when he was captured by the Varden, he was just reading books. He was doing exactly what Aragon's doing. He was educating himself. Christopher Paolini yeah. really believes the coolest thing you can do is sit down and read a book. Uh, deeply a guy who writes books. <laughs> the only thing cooler is to read a scroll. Yeah. I don't think that's actually cool. I bet that's a pain in the ass. I have I've never read a scroll. I'll be honest with you. Never read a scroll in my life. Seems like it wouldn't be great. I guess the main benefit is that it keeps your place for you. Kind of. That's true. Unless you roll it back up. Well, if you have the scroll with like the two corn cob holders on on you know from yeah. clip art oh uh, yeah 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 no i get it um all right well uh may your shorts shorts may your swords stay sharp <laughs>